The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Man, I'm giving you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser, yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our good friends at LinkedIn. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. They've got over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of the most qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by people who you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash braves. Again, that's linkedin.com slash braves, B-R-A-V-E-S, to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions do apply. Well, Doc, feels like we haven't talked in a month. We took a week off, and that week seemed to take about three months. How have you been doing? Been doing pretty well, you know, uh, like I said a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> I've been working from home since 2013, so not a whole lot has really changed for me, but uh, taking last week off, it's only the, I think the third time we've ever taken a, a, a full week off, so it was weird, and I'm glad to be back in the chair in front of the mic this week. It was kind of a weird feeling going through a week not having a, a TPS podcast to go down, so um Sorry to people that that didn't get their episode last week. Quite honestly, there really was just nothing to talk about and didn't feel like didn't feel like giving you garbage content. So just felt like, you know, when there's something worth talking about, we'll talk about it. I mean, we can always do shows where we, you know, don't talk about baseball at all and we just talk about music and what goes on around the house, but um I value your time and I value my own time a little bit more than doing shows like that. We are going to be forced to be creative here. We will certainly talk about music and books and TV and 
uh, cooking and botany and and any number of wide ranging topics. But we are a uh, we are a baseball podcast, but we are a baseball podcast, so those will not be our main shows. Exactly. If you if you were listening to Platinum Sombrero, you probably want to hear at least some talk about Braves or at least baseball in general. So we will do do our best to uh, to respect that the best that we can. It's kind of a good thing that we did do one last week because now we have a little bit more information on what's going on. Uh, if you guys have seen the ESPN story, it's been plastered all over Twitter. Basically, everywhere as everybody's just kind of like bare knuckled, like white knuckle, holding on to anything, trying to find some sort of idea of when baseball is going to get started back up. Rob Manfred and baseball did come out with, with a proposal. Um, we're going to take a quick look at. I believe the agreement was reached, right, between baseball and the MLBPA. Like they did agree on this to at least like look into it. Yeah, and and a lot of the decisions can't officially be made until that we have a little more information about when things are going to start. But yeah, certain things like service time and how they're going to handle the draft, which is really really of interest to me. Uh, how they're going to proceed with that. Uh, they did reach the agreement on that. They just can't really get too much farther um, until we have a little more info. It is going to be weird for the draft because I, I have a feeling that this is really going to affect the high school players more than it's going to affect the college players. Uh, you, you've got more tape, and it's going to be safer to take a college kid since you're not able to get scout. You're not able to get eyes on a lot of these high school kids. They haven't been able to finish their seasons. I mean, heck, some of them haven't even started the season, really. Um, you're not going to be able to see what a lot of these kids do in a summer circuit or anything like that. I have a feeling you're going to see a lot of high school kids start to drop. Every year you wind up seeing what what is referred to as a helium guy, somebody that just kind of came out of nowhere. They they get the helium, they start rocketing up to the top of draft boards. Hunter Bishop. And, uh, yeah, Hunter, Bush, Hunter Bishop is a really good one. Keone Cavaco is another one. Uh, Mike Soroka was one a, cu- a couple years ago. And um, you're not going to have the opportunity for these guys to to do what it takes to jump onto these lists and really start to skyrocket. You might have some some shuffling on the draft boards due to any type of off-field injury, but this is just going to be so so bizarre proceeding into a draft knowing that it's going to be... They said it, it can be five rounds and they can eventually add to that, but generally the draft has 40 rounds. And so as it pertains to the high school guys, like you're talking about, you look at what the Braves did last year. They used rounds 11 through 40 to get some really high upside high school talent that might have been priced out of the uh, of the slots earlier in the draft. So now with the bonus pools, everything is going to be completely different with the way that that, that gets approached. Uh, the ability to fill out minor league rosters, like we talked about two weeks ago, that's going to be really tricky. Just this this whole thing, this whole limbo is just incredibly bizarre. I get it. I understand why it's happening, but the amount of contingencies that are being taken with with this we still don't even know for sure whether there's going to be a season but we do know that if there is one everything about it is going to wind up being different i'm kind of here for the chaos but i'm oh i really nervous i guarantee guarantee, i guarantee we'll have a season there's no way that they'll go an entire year of getting no revenue from sports i guarantee you there'll be a season i don't know if it's really going to be what they're proposing as far as playing in arizona and playing a bunch of double headers i'm not sure that's going to happen because there's going to be obviously there's going to be player safety concerns when you're playing uh, a metric s ton of double headers you're going to see injuries spike um, I'm not sure if they'll end up getting that. There's also some other hurdles that we're going to talk about in a second, but I guarantee you there's going to be some baseball. The other thing that, that kind of pops into my head about this is what does this do for like the guys that are in trouble? Guys like A.J. Hinch, does this count as their one-year suspension? The Astros, what, how does this affect their bonus pool? There's only five rounds now, so losing the first and second one, do they essentially have no pool at all, or does it not really affect them at all? Like, 
what's going to happen to the teams that you literally just punished for cheating baseball three months ago? What's going to happen once this season finally gets underway? It's a great question. From what I understand, A.J. Hinch, this if 2020 season doesn't happen, then he, his suspension is considered served. And Jeff Luno, from what I understand, is going to wind up being the same thing, which is I can't decide whether that's fair or not. I don't think because, it's fair. Well, the truth is, he, it's not like he's he's able to contribute in any type of meaningful way whatsoever. So, But at the same time, they just said, you know, you're going to be out of baseball for a year. I'll have to go back and, and reread all of the fine print of, about that. But, I mean, in theory, he's going to have served his sentence, even if there was no other option. Listen, so, on A.J. Hinch, he's still the best manager in baseball. Um, you can think what you want of the Astros. I obviously I can't stand. I don't like the cheating part. Is I don't like that, but I expect that. What I don't like is the way that they handled the cheating, like the 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 arrogance and just the flat out lying and being unable or unwilling to admit, yeah, we screwed up. That made the whole situation worse to me. Granted, I didn't have a dog in that fight, so you know I'm sure if I were a Dodgers fan, I'd be a little bit more angry about it. Than, uh, yeah. Than, than as a Braves fan, but I mean, the cold hard truth is I wouldn't have picked the Dodgers to beat that Astros team anyway. Um, but as for A.J. Hinch, he's a free agent. Remember, he got fired, so essentially any team is going to be able to hire him, and really he didn't miss any real time, didn't miss a full season. Um, I I think you'll see him get hired really quickly. Like I, I don't think... I don't think Hinch is going to be waiting a lot of time. Uh, I think uh, I think you'll see one of these teams that's trying to take a step forward, like a, a I don't know, let's just say the Tigers, uh, a team that's that's trying to get somewhere, or a team like um, San Diego, for example, looking to to get over the hump. I think you'll see Hinch get hired pretty quickly. My thought was a team like Pittsburgh, where he could go and have a job, but be just super low profile and not have to have to worry about uh, any type of witchcraft or chicanery or any anything that is going to get them to win. Because if there's one thing I can promise you about the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're going to lose a lot. Yeah. Even even if there's a very truncated season, they play 60 games. The Pirates are going to lose a lot. So for Hinch, that gives him the opportunity to get his foot back in the door. For baseball, it's good for them because he doesn't go back and join a team like... Uh, just the Yankees to 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 use use an example. I mean, he's he's going to be if that happens, he'd be in a very low profile. I just thought position. about this. What about the Rockies? They're a disaster, but they're one of these teams that feels like they don't need to go into a full sale rebuild. Bud Black is you know Bud Black, and I believe he's gone now, so that doesn't matter. Um, if you feel like if you can bring in Hinch, that you can kind of fix the relationship with Arenado. You've got story. You've got uh, some some other guys coming up. You don't really have any pitching, but you've still got some good young guys like Colton Welker and Brendan Rodgers and um, uh, what's his name? Ryan McMahon. You've still got some pieces there. Adding in an A.J. Hinch might convince some free agents because the Astros are going to lose out. This is one of the key things for the Astros having all that money taken away. They're going to lose out on a lot of those players once they become free agents, where they're going to have to put QOs on them, and they're going to lose these guys because they're not going to have the draft picks. They're going to have to recoup draft picks somehow uh, to be able to to be able to afford draft pools. So you're going to see them lose guys like Correa or guys like Springer. I guarantee you they'll lose one of those too. 
would that guy be willing to then go to Colorado and effectively form back up with A.J. Hinch and kind of create a new power balance in the NL West? I mean, if if I were a hitter, I would. you couldn't get me to Colorado fast enough. Now, I was a pitcher. Forget about it. But if I'm somebody like George Springer and there's all this mystique surrounding what his actual talents are, how much of it was the trash cans or the buzzers or, or whatever mechanism they were using, and you take me out of that environment and you give me the opportunity to go and play somewhere else where you, you can have slightly inflated numbers and have it be borderline acceptable, I could actually see something like that working. I, I really think I could. So maybe, but but when you look at the, the grand scope of this whole thing with Hinch, Serving his time, it's it's a lot more than just getting the time off. I mean, his reputation, it's entirely possible that that they might just say, eh, thanks, but no thanks. We no. we know what happens when you get in charge. No, no, no. Great no, manager no, no. or not. No Great way. manager or not. There might just be teams that say, we'd rather not have the distraction. Thanks, but no thanks. No way. Money wins out. Banners fly forever. There have been some horrific managers who have been horrible people that have stayed around forever because they were good at their job. I mean... Not even just MLB. Look at NFL. I mean, how many horrible coaches keep getting rehired? I mean, Sean Payton got suspended for an entire year, did not lose his job. I mean, Greg Williams got busted for putting hits out on players during games and has had like three jobs since. I mean, winning cures everything in these sports. There's there's no way that Hinch won't get hired back, especially because if you read into the report on it, it more comes down to like Hinch didn't have enough control. Hinch got punished for not stopping it, not for not for taking part. Lunau, I would agree, because uh, a lot of owners aren't going to want their teams to take hits, and they're going to feel like Lunau is going to be a walking hit. So I can understand with Lunau. A.J. Hinch, he's got enough, what do you call it, plausible deniability. He's got enough deniability to where I guarantee you somebody's going to hire him. Well, let me ask you this then. So let, let's say that they they are able to get in, let's say, 81 games. We'll say they can do half a season. Mm -hmm. Does that make you feel any better? Because he still won't be able to manage through those 81. Do you think that it would be more just in that scenario to tack 81 more games on that suspension going halfway into 2021? I think he should miss miss 162 games. Okay, so whatever's left after this season, just add it on. Yep. I think you should miss 162. That's a full season's equivalent. If you want to say yes to miss the postseason too, fine. I don't know any team that's going to change a manager right for the postseason. So essentially, you'd have him missing out on on any postseason play as well. I think that would be fine. I think um, I, I think that would be that would be more justified than just saying if you get in 60 games this season, all of a sudden you just wipe the slate clean. These are things that when the punishment first got handed down, and we're still waiting on that Red Sox punishment, by the way. It's not, <laughs> Good luck. Still, yeah, still nothing has happened there. But that seemed like just such a, an earth-rocking thing when that whole thing came out and every day there was some new evidence that came out and then the, the punishments came down and everything, and, and that just seemed like such a, such a black eye on the sport. And now, man... Nobody has benefited more from coronavirus than the Houston Astros have because it has done a lot. It has done a lot. Completely overshadowed. Yeah, it has erased a lot of those thoughts. Now, when baseball starts back, whenever that is, all of this is going to be, all of this is going to be remembered. But uh, I've got a question for you. Yeah, go ahead, please. 
Would you take AJ? Would you take AJ Hinch here in Atlanta? At this point, I almost think it's kind of like inertia. I think you got to just, as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> this is Snit's job until he decides he wants to retire. To my, me, my personal judgment, I think that the the clubhouse thing outweighs some tactical mistakes here and there, and uh, I think that if you were going to take somebody like Snit, who is that well-loved, and replace him with somebody like Hinch, who obviously, he is a good manager, but he's got, there's a bit of a stain on his name right now. I mean, Ryan Snitger is clean as a whistle. You know, this this fan base needs somebody who's not going to be making a lot of headlines for the wrong reasons, you know? And I think that, that Snit is kind of that guy. So because of that... um I would actually say no. Okay. And I know that you think I'm probably nuts for that. From because from a tactical perspective, I think you're being then, let me say yeah. this. I think you're being tactful. I mean, in the spirit of, of what I had said, I I'd say that's probably about <laughs> I think right. You're being pretty tactful because yeah. uh quite honestly, I would take AJ Hinch. But that's not to say anything bad about Snicker. I'd take AJ Hinch over literally anybody. Um because I'm here for titles. Uh, I'm here. I want. I want a parade that I can remember. I was four years old when we had the parade for '95. I was not old enough for that. I want a parade now. None of my teams have won anything since I have been alive, at least that I can remember. Like nothing for the Falcons, nothing for the Dogs. I need something. So I'm at this point where you know what? I will take AJ Hinch gladly because he is the best manager in baseball. And if it gets me a title, I don't mind being the hated team, quite honestly. I mean, we, we joke around about how everybody hates the Yankees and the Cardinals and the Astros, but look at, look at those three teams over the last 20, 30 years and tell me you wouldn't trade places with them. I mean, the only thing – for Atlanta, we've got the, the 14 straight division titles, which is awesome. But are you telling me you wouldn't trade those for two or three World Series? Oh, I most assuredly would. Absolutely I would. And I I think part of why why this hiatus is so tricky is because this team is really supposed to be tracking towards that's that. what bothers you me. Know? This was such a big year. And I can I tell you something, man? That just it, I feel horrible saying this. I felt horrible when I said you know talking about the Astros benefiting from coronavirus because you know I nobody's actually benefiting from it. But this is something that has been running through my head, and I feel so selfish for saying this. But, like, the thing I keep coming back to about baseball, yeah, there's the routine and knowing that every night at 7.20 there's going to be a game between the end of March and the start of November, and just that that uh, that drone, that murmur of the crowd. I just, all of, all of these different things about baseball that I have just come to love over years. But the thing that I miss the most is... We are being neglected of Ronald Acuna's age 22 season. And that carries so much weight for me. And I feel horrible saying that because, like, people are dying. People, they're still, still, somehow, people that think this is just a giant hoax that's being perpetrated on the American people. But people are dying. People are sick. There's a lot going on. And all I can think about is, man. I wonder how many stolen bases Ronald Acuna would have by now. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so no, inconsequential. I, I fully understand. It's one of those things that I keep going back to. It's one of those separate compartments in my brain. Where, like, one side of my brain is, I need baseball to help me. I need baseball right now. I need it now. Let's go ahead and get baseball going. The other half of me is the human side that's like, all right, all right. 
not where the priority should be right now. Just constantly at war with each other. Yeah, and and when you look at you know the U.S. is behind other countries. You know, it, it started <clears throat> started far east and it gradually started working its way west. And some of the countries that were initially hit, like in Asia, they have they have been able to start rebuilding and, and start opening things back up. And then I, it's the Japanese League, as far as, as excuse me, as far as I can remember, that they've already started back, but then they had to shut it back down because they started things back up too quickly. And when we start talking about, is there going to be a season? Is there not? You can kind of look at something like that to say, we have to be really careful. We have to prioritize the human life here because if we rush back into it too quickly, if we search for our comfort zone before we actually are ready for it, then the ripple effect is just going to be huge. And we we can't do that. You know, we can't worry too much about missing Ronald Acuna's age 22 season because he's got the 23, 24, 25 the rest of his entire career. And it's not just for him. It's for, it's for everybody. You know what I mean? And it's, this is where I get internally conflicted because all I want to do is watch a real time baseball game, man. That's, that's all I really want. I, I rebuilt the fireplace and then I mounted the TV up over the top of it. So I could watch Braves games from that perspective. And I can't do that right now. And it is kind of breaking my heart. But I and and I'm forced to understand all of these things. And if you're if you're listening to this, then then I know that you are in the same boat. You're weighing, you know, can I get mad about the fact that my my comfortable thing over here, my uh, safety blanket, is being is being taken away from me currently, and and knowing that that there are bigger fish to fry with this whole thing. So it, it's just a mess. This whole thing is just a giant mess. Still, it continues to be a mess. Luckily, everybody kind of understands that sport, getting sports back is a huge step towards getting everything kind of back to normal a little bit. So they are discussing, as, as you brought up, they're discussing ways to, to get the game back started. Um, I believe it was Manfred's proposal or whatever. Um, what is it? That uh, Buster Olney was where I first saw the report uh, talking about teams just staying in Arizona and every team playing every game in Arizona um, with some weird caveats to it. I, I really want to I want to talk about that. We're about 20 minutes into the first segment here, so we got to wind down a little bit before we get into the second segment and get to some happier times. But I do want to discuss this because I think this is... Personally, I think this is kind of hackneyed, the way that they're doing it. I don't think there's any way any of this actually works. They're talking about players sitting in the stands instead of in the dugout so they can stay six feet apart. The players being mic'd up all the time, which I do love that. Um, just all sorts of, of weird things. Seven-inning doubleheaders, which... You and I will discuss here in a second. But there's a lot of other caveats that aren't really at the forefront that I think need to give some people some pause and make sure that they consider all the ramifications, not just currently, but all the ramifications that can possibly happen in the future. Uh, because I, th- I think I think that's one thing that baseball could find itself in trouble is if the Players Association and fans in general get so desperate to have it back that they give away a lot more power than they realize that they're giving away. I was trying to explain this before the show. Let's see if I can do a better job this time. When you start looking at the way that they've beta tested different things, whether it's electronic strike zones or stealing first or any of these weird, funky little ideas that they get, they always test them out on indie leagues and then they'll move it to minor league baseball. And then if there's any level of success for any of these things, then they'll graduate it to, to the big leagues. And 
yeah, the electronic strike zone, it's coming. Okay, it's it's gonna eventually be there. We I have hate the technology. It. Hate it or not, it's it would be surprising to me if in ten years they're not using a machine to call balls and strikes just because the technology exists. In the scope of COVID nineteen, they're they're using that to keep adequate distance between the umpire and the catcher, which okay. Okay, fine. But once again, you're talking about ripple effects. If if they if it proves to be advantageous that, you know, you keep the umpire away and then you're using the electronic strike zone, then maybe you can say, okay, this works. We have evidence this is work. This is going to work on the big scale. If they want to implement no mound visits, which is something they've talked about, or, you know, maybe this is how, this is the stepping stone to make that happen. Players sitting six feet apart in the stands, that's not happening. Eventually, people are going to be able to, to congregate well, again. Players will move back to dugouts. It doesn't make any like, sense because you still have the catcher being right behind the batter. So what's the point? Preventive measures understood if, if, they're, if they're trying to take precaution and make sure that everybody's going to be safe, then cool. But And there's certain things that you can't really do because you're not going to have just nobody behind the batter whatsoever. You know, you're not going to throw into a net or anything. It's not like you're playing in the backyard. Right. But the one that I think you and I are both very, very interested in is the seven-inning doubleheader idea. Yeah. Two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago when we recorded, I'd said there's going to be some funky stuff that happens this year and f- for 2020, if they wind up having a season, then I'm willing to endure just about anything. Minor leagues do seven-inning doubleheaders. This could be a slippery slope because it's not the first time that it's been mentioned that games go to seven innings. Right, and not doubleheaders, but games, period. Right. That's the part of this that, that I you really need to take into account because you can say, oh, they're not going to try to fast walk it or anything like that. Um, Rob Manford has shown me nothing to show that he actually likes the game of baseball. His entire mode has been to bring in people that don't like baseball to watch it more. Oh, the games are too long, even though that they average less time than a football game. Oh, the games are too boring. There's not enough action. There's too many mound visits. So he keeps doing, and some of this stuff has worked out. Some of the stuff you and I like, like you and I are both in favor of the DH being in both leagues or at the very least of both leagues being equal. Um, you and I are in favor of that. And I know some people aren't in favor of that. That's fine. I don't, you know, that's fine. You don't have to tell me. Um, that's okay. You're not going to change my mind on there should be DHs in both leagues, just like I'm not going to change your mind on there shouldn't be DHs at all. Uh, but a lot of these get hokey. Like, I'm not I'm not in fan uh, a fan of it being a permanent electronic strike zone. I don't like losing that human element because you lose adaptability. I understand what you're gaining is that it's everybody's going to have the same calls. I understand that. And that's awesome too. I I would kind of like it. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. I would like the ability first to challenge a ball or strike call. I would prefer that before you just go pell-mell into an automated strike zone. But for 2020, you're going to have to make do. Otherwise, you're not going to get baseball. The problem is you're going to see a big spike in baseball viewership when it comes back because people have been sitting at home pining for it. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, so you're going to have a ton more people watching, and Manfred's going to be able to take to the owners and say, look at all of this stuff. Look at how much viewership jumped. We should make this seven-inning thing full-time. And if you want to go watch a seven-inning baseball game, go watch Little League. That's Little League. 
I I am deathly against seven innings. I don't I don't mind seven inning double headers as long as it is flat out set. It is only double headers because there's fourteen innings in a day. Then I am not in favor of seven inning regular season games or seven inning games for like single games period. And I just think if you give them the power to change it for this, you have to be very careful that you don't give them the power to change it to something else that they really want to do on down the line. That's kind of it's it's not about what happens right now. It's about what do you allow them to do right now that will affect what they're going to do in 2022-2023. I think also part of that is going to be contingent on when the season starts. Now, if seven inning doubleheaders if you if you're trying to cram 81 games into, you know, between August and September, or however you're going to try and do it. You're going to have to do it with expanded rosters. You you want to make sure that guys aren't getting burned out. And But if by some miraculous stroke of luck, if they're able to start the season, let's just say June 1st. I mean, the odds of that happening are nil, but we'll just use it as a, as a jumping off point. Then you, the need to condense everything so much to where playing two seven-inning games, you know... If there's more time to where you don't have to do that, I think this would be one of the last things because nine is a sacred number in baseball, right? So shortening the the amount of the game, like you're not going to go to a basketball game and just watch three quarters, right? I mean, it's, it's their quarters. It's right there in the name. So it's when you're looking at the speed of the game that's one thing when you're looking at the length of a game that's that's completely different and it's you can't make that full scale change i think that the leagues would be much more apt to adopt the dh in both leagues i think that you would see a million changes before you saw them formally before you have the players formally agreeing to just shaving two innings off every single game uh, I think I think that would be a real non-starter for 2020. Once again, let's get totally weird. But for 2021, let's please go back to normal. No, no more of this crap. I I can't handle. I <laughs> I can't handle that. I'm gonna need some level of normalcy before you know before we go any farther. It's just one of those things where I I don't trust Rob Manfred. I'm sorry, I don't trust him not to try to take advantage to pass some things that he knows wouldn't get passed in a normal season. I don't trust him. I don't think he likes baseball. I think all he's, he's concerned about money, which every commissioner of every sport is, but at least with those other commissioners, you could say that they actually like the game that they're commissioners of. I can't say that for Rob Manfred. So I, I would just be very leery about giving him any sort of executive power, period. And personally, I don't mind if, if they don't do double headers. I don't mind. Like I don't care if we have a 70-game season versus a 100-game season if you, know, you add in 15 double headers. Like, I, it won't bother me any if it's 70 regular games versus 100 games and have a bunch of double headers. I don't care about that. I just want baseball, period. Like, if, if the choice is a 70-game season with nine-inning games or a 100-game season with seven-inning double headers sporadically throughout here, I would probably pick the 70 games with the full nine innings, quite honestly. I think I probably would, too. I mean, I think I would too. And we keep talking about this like like it's going to be hard to you know scratch up seventy or hundred games. We keep forgetting that even if you get started at the end of June, basically you're just starting up after the All Star break, so you can still feasibly fit in 
81 to 90 games based on the same schedule. It can be done. It's just about when can we actually go ahead and get this done. Because if we're not going to get the season started until August or, God forbid, September, now you're looking at they're going to have to do some pretty crazy things. We'll be talking about this season for the rest of our lives, for sure. You know, in the way that we talk about the strike season or the previous generation talking about the 1981 strike season. I mean, there's there will forever be an asterisk by this season if if it gets played at all. And I... I hate to even put that out in the universe, but the possibility does still exist. It is entirely possible that there is not going to be a Braves game that is meaningful until March of 2021. And if you rewind the podcast just a little bit, you can hear my heart shatter into a lot of tiny pieces as I said that. Because it breaks my heart to think that that would actually happen. But If you rewind further, you'll hear me guarantee that there will be a season, and I'll stick by that until it's ripped away from my cold, dead hands. Uh, but speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, there we go. <laughs> sorry, speaking of, um, of going down in history and things that we're always going to talk about. One of the things that Braves fans and baseball fans in general always talk about is who are the best guys from your team's history. Well, if you've been floating around social media, you've seen on Twitter and on Facebook that there's been some posts about uh, some Braves lineups of who you would pick based upon the players that are in there. We're going to break those down in the second segment, along with our story time as well as picking a prospect from the two of us uh, that we both had faith in or thought was going to be really good and just was not. Hold on through the break. We'll be right back to discuss those coming back on the Platinum Sombrero. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero. Ladies and gentlemen, Doc Herbert here. Just wanted to remind you, the Platinum Sombrero podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. You are still in quarantine, at least you should be, but just because your home feels like a prison cell you can't escape from doesn't mean that other people aren't itching to involve themselves in some nefarious behavior, including, but not limited to, breaking into your house. Some less than reputable buffoon might be casing the joint from a distance so they can bust in and take your most cherished possessions whenever you run to the grocery store or the pharmacy or whatever, but they won't be able to get in if you use Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a one-stop shop for all your home security needs. You've got cameras and motion sensors and glass break sensors and entry sensors too. It's a veritable cornucopia of home safety options. The best part is you can install it yourself in an hour or less. I mean, and what are you really doing with that time? It's not like you're off watching sports. God knows you've watched enough parks and recreation to know how it ends. So get off your lazy bum, install Simply Safe's comprehensive panel of award-winning services. Do it yourself. You'll feel better than if you call somebody else to do your dirty work. Go to Simply Safe. Dot com slash team that's s i m p l i safe dot com slash team t e a m to get free shipping on your sixty day risk free trial it's free risk free some of my favorite adjectives once again simply safe with an i dot com slash team we must protect this house so as you so deftly alluded to while we were wrapping up the first section 
<clears throat> we were presented with some very interesting options today by uh, by Fox Sports Braves on Twitter. Everybody's being really creative with how they're filling the content void that the season is supposed to be filling right now. And I think that that Fox Sports uh, Braves did a really good job today with uh, with painting three hypothetical scenarios for if you were given the chance to choose any of the next three lineups, Dylan, that I'm going to present for you, and we can debate the merits of these. Which one would you choose? Uh, my first question for you is, are you ready? Oh, I am 100% ready. Good. That was an easy question. Okay. So of these three lineups, which one would you take? First, Ronald Acuna, Dale Murphy, Chipper Jones, pretty solid top three, uh, Andres Galarraga, Javi Lopez, Rico Cardi, Rafael Furcal, Martin Prado, and then you've got Smoltz on the mound. Pretty solid. Couple Hall of Famers in there. Second lineup. Ron Gant, Hank Aaron, who is a relatively notable person around these parts. Freddie Freeman, Bob Horner, Ryan Klesko, Brian McCann, Marcus Giles, your dude Andrelton Simmons, with Tom Glavin on the mound. Versus the third lineup. Ozzie Albies, Eddie Matthews, Fred McGriff, Gary Sheffield, David Justice, Andrew Jones as your outfield and hitting 4-5-6. Joe Torre behind the plate, Jeff Blauser, the shortstop, and Greg Maddox on the mound. Ooh. Two of these are not like the other. So two of these lineups are really, really good. I'm taking lineup number three. I did too, actually. Oh, really? I did, yeah. And and it's I think it's easy. It's the Albies, Matthews, McGriff. Like it's it's just deeper. Like I think number one is going to have games where they're better, obviously, because you've got Acuna, you've got Chipper, you've got Galarraga, who's a monster four-hole hitter. You've got Murph as well, and for call. But every single guy in that lineup, until you get to, like, Blauser is a killer. Torrey and Blauser. I don't think Torrey was much of an offensive player. I don't really care. But I mean, just going Ozzy, Eddie Matthews, Frederick Griff, Gary Sheffield, David Justice, Andrew, and then I have Maddox on the mound. You're not beating me. I, I think... This kind of goes to to a point that I'd made about I think when when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies and we talked about this was before Trout signed his extension with the Angels we oh. were worried Whew. at the prospect of of Trout going to Philadelphia to play with Harper and we debated the merits of having two mega stars and seven kind of filler guys in your lineup as opposed to having eight pretty good guys at the same time. And I said give me the eight pretty good guys just because it's a it's a wider range of outcomes. You can you can count on the eight pretty good guys. And look, Ronald Acuña and Chipper Jones in your lineup is fearsome. And regardless of whether or not you feel like Dale Murphy belongs in the Hall of Fame or not, um having him in the two hole between Acuña and Chipper, I mean that's that's solid. But to me, like you said, I mean that third lineup to me having Sheffield, Justice and Jones the defense in the outfield outside of Andrew may not be spectacular, but having Ozzy as the table setter, having Fred McGriff, who I think it's been long enough to where people, some people either never saw him play or they have forgotten how good he really was. You only um, remember him from the Tom Amansky videos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that, that super grainy image of, of him wearing the, uh, the hat also, that was way too tall for him. Let's let's not sleep on how good Eddie Matthews was. Like, if you want to see something crazy, go look at Eddie Matthews' numbers. Second highest, uh, second best season, I believe, in in Braves history behind Hank Aaron, uh, and just in front of J.D. Drew. 
Isn't it crazy that looking back at the second lineup, it's it's getting no love? Okay, you've got oh no, it's got Hank Aaron and Freddie Freeman, Bob Horner, who was one of at straight the time, to straight to MLB. Yeah, he got he got drafted out of Arizona State and went straight to Major League Baseball. Never played in the minors whatsoever. Just yeah. like Ryan Zimmerman, and you've got uh, Andrelton Simmons. Here you've got Brian McCann. It's kind of amazing. Now I want to switch. Now I want to say the second lineup. It looks so stacked. No, it doesn't. That second one is, I I would face that second one every time. Horner, Klesko, McCann, Giles. I mean, those are outs right there that you can get pretty easily. Like Klesko can bomb it forever far, but he's also going to hit like two forty. No thanks. I'm fine with that. Actually, by the way, I've just been I've just been alerted that Ryan Zimmerman did play a little bit of minor league ball. Oh, after he came out of Virginia. Yeah. But he made his debut September 1st of 2005, which is the season he was uh, drafted. Which is still very good. So he would he would have been a September insane. call up. It's still stupid. Yeah. Spent think, like two months in the minors. I think Mike Leak. I looked this up a couple years ago. I Mike think Mike Leak like, was the last person I saw who went from, um, also from Arizona State, just like Bob Horner, he got drafted and, and went straight to major leagues. I think he was the last one. That and that was in 2010. Mm-hmm. He got taken in the first round of the 2009 MLB draft. Yeah, without having him pitch in the minor leagues, when only one of only 21 players, and the most recent. So good job, Doc. Yay! I did pointless research for a couple years ago, and it wound up not being pointless. How about that? I feel very good. Hey, it's never pointless. Knowledge is power. That's true. If we hadn't done this particular exercise, I doubt I would have remembered that. But hey, do you know? Do you know any of the names of any other ones who did that besides Bob Horner and Mike Leake? Mm. Well, I know Ryan Zimmerman's not one. Uh, no, I actually I can't remember. John Olerud, who is a monster in Toronto. When I was a kid, all I remembered about Olerud was that he would wear a batting helmet when he played the field. I think because he had. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Had an aneurysm or something, and yeah. he was trying to protect his cranium. And until I knew that, it was such a weird thing. Like, used to make fun of him because, like, what is this dude wearing a helmet on the field? Yeah, that was a weird one. But See he was how a many beast. Of these names you know? Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. So, Jim Abbott. Did he really? Yep. Straight out of Michigan. Played for the <clears throat> California Angels. Oh yes. Before they couldn't decide which city they were actually in, right? Mike Adamson, Joey Amalfitano, a bunch of guys that are old, super old. Wayne Ambler from some team called the Philadelphia Athletics. Jeez. Walter Anker for the Philadelphia Athletics way back in 1915. Oh, yeah, that was, the, that was their thing. The A's had a shtick, and that was it. Johnny Antonelli from the Boston Braves in 48. A couple of super Italian names going on here. Eddie Bain, also out of Arizona State. Also not Italian. That is a that's a funky quirk of that system. Reno Bertoa. Let's see. I'm going to try to find some names that I've heard of. I haven't heard of half of these. Uh, Cleet Boyer. Heard of Cleet Boyer? No, you've heard of Clint Boyer. I've heard of Cleet. It's not often <laughs> you forget somebody's name. It's Cleet. Uh, let's see. David Clyde. Jim Darrington. Where's some names that I might know? Steve Dunning. I've heard that one before. Rob Ellis. Bob Feller, actually. I mean, Bob Feller. Bob Feller was a child when he was in major leagues. Back in 1936, he struck out 17 
in a game when he was 17. That's Gil Hodges. Okay. Which I thought Jay, he was a point guard uh, for the Bulls in the 90s, but that might, might have been Craig Hodges. <laughs> Bob Horner, also Arizona State. Burt Hooten, all-time name. <laughs> Great name. I'm like, Burt Hooten? <laughs> <laughs> Jay Hook, Catfish Hunter, Pete Incaviglia. Oh, yeah. Pete, when he, he played at Oklahoma? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, yeah. He was putting up video game numbers in the mid-80s. Before he before he went to the Rangers, there was like a yeah, whole he was, saga surrounding him getting drafted. He was one of those guys: Brian Milner, Paul Martin, Mike Morgan. There's a lot. Xavier Nady. I did not know Xavier Nady went straight to the MLB. Xavier uh, Nady, one of the 25th man on the rosters forever. Yeah, I don't. He didn't seem like the type, just based no. on everything about him and his profile. How about this pair of twins, Eddie O'Brien and Johnny O'Brien? Wait, they both did it? In 1953. Second baseman, starting second baseman and starting shortstop for Seattle. That is a weird package deal. John Olerud out of Washington State. Mel Ott. No, oh, that makes sense. Chanho Park. Wait, hold on. No minor leagues for Chanho Park. Went straight from Hanyang University. Okay, uh, yeah, okay. I, I guess I thought that he was, uh, that he was a pro. Uh, before Ariel Prieto. I might be thinking of Hideo Nomo. Probably. Yeah. 35-year-old rookie of the year. Yeah. That's how Dave that Roberts. Dave Roberts. Really? There's just, there's some names on here. Red Swanson. Hawk Taylor. All right, that's a name Hall of Fame. Milwaukee Braves, 1957. I still take Bert Hooten. Hooten wins. Frank Zuppo. There's some name Dave Winfield also in 1973. Okay. Dave Winfield was a freak of nature. Dave he got drafted in in 1973 by the San Diego Padres. Well, he also he got drafted in basketball, I think also in football and maybe some weird um off-brand sport like he was a pro badminton player or he could have been if he wanted to be. It's always funny when you see some weird stuff like that. Sorry, I, I went sidetracked off the rails, but that's that's such a crazy thing to me. To spend no time in minor league ball, go straight to major leagues. Could well, you imagine that? And you, you also, when you come out of whether you come out of high school or college, then then it's all about you know the prospect hype that surrounds somebody, right? Like Mike Leake, Bob Horner, and every other guy on that list that came out of Arizona State. They all just skipped that whole thing. Like they didn't even have the chance of being like written up in any of those lists or anything. They just went right. straight straight for it, which is. Awesome. Hey, you can't be a bust if you're never ranked. That's that's absolutely true. And speaking of busts, Doc and I have a couple busts that uh, we'd like to discuss with you guys today. What we're going to keep doing for a while now is because, unfortunately, as you're going to find out in the coming episodes, uh, the Braves don't really have a long, illustrious history with prospects. There's quite a few that get really hyped up that just do not pan out. But there's a few that stick out above all the others. Uh, everybody has their own guy, but Doc and I picked two for this week's show. We're each going to do them. Uh, Doc, why don't you go first? All right. I'm very interested for everybody to react to this one. When Do you remember where you were when the Dansby Swanson, Shelby Miller deal happened? Yeah, sitting at home at my desk. Oh, okay. Well, I had... Um... 
I was at a Christmas party. My my uh, my wife's company at the time. I don't remember which job she had, but I remember we we had driven out to Alpharetta. We were sitting at the Christmas party, and I got up and I went to the bathroom, and I wasn't having the best time. And I so I pulled my phone out to look and see what time it was, and that's when I got the notification that the deal had gone down, and the Braves got Dansby and Ender, and this prospect named Aaron Blair. Now, Ender was already established at that point. He was kind of on the up and up. Dansby had just been the top overall pick in the draft and coming out of Vanderbilt. Mega prospect hype. He didn't go straight to uh, straight to the majors, so he, he became a victim of some hype. And the other player in that deal was Aaron Blair, who was this big-bodied right-hander. Could throw moderately fast, but had a beautiful change-up. He had been playing in the uh, Pacific Coast League. Previous year, put up really good numbers in a, in a historically offensive heavy league. And this was like right after... 2015 was the first year of the rebuild. So it was the second offseason of the rebuild when this happened. So they had already acquired guys like Tyrell Jenkins in the initial deal for Sheldon Miller. And Manny Banuelos. And they, they had all of these in, uh, really interesting pitching prospects. This guy named Max Freed that, uh, that eventually wound up panning out and doing pretty well. But I was convinced that Aaron Blair was going to show up and be an absolute animal. And when he got to Gwinnett, he was amazing. Right before he got called up, I remember he had a, an 11 or 12 strikeout game. And in the eighth inning of that game, you could see John Hart, who was still in the front office at that time. He was sitting behind the plate and just nodding in approval every time that Blair would throw a pitch. And I was like, oh my God, it's it's all happening. And then he showed up and he sucked. And then he just couldn't figure it out. And he would show flashes and he, that changeup would just dance and it was gorgeous. And he just couldn't figure it out. And then he started fighting with Braves fans on Twitter because he was apparently very, very um, opposed politically to, to what some people believed. And... I think he he got hammered and went on a uh, a very right wing rant that alienated what um, what fans he had not alienated already. Next thing you know, he had shoulder surgery and he signed a minor league deal with the Diamondbacks. So suffice to say, my faith in Aaron Blair was unfounded, <laughs> unwarranted, and totally unnecessary. Back to you, Dylan. That is an interesting one because you weren't alone. I mean, he was really highly ranked i mean it, it's like we don't like to think of it now because of how it turned out here in atlanta but he was a pretty highly ranked guy yeah he was uh according to pipeline he was 61 overall in the game when he came to the brave system which at that time had still had ozzy and acuna and soroka and freed uh sean newcomb had just been acquired like a month before and Blair slotted in as number four in the entire system. So, so yeah, I mean, it's not like I was just making it up. It wasn't like the Lucas Herbert thing, which uh, I wish I Isn't he also up. with the Diamondbacks? Yeah. In the same way that the major leaguers uh, for the Braves all wind up going and playing for the angels, the minor leaguers all wind up going and playing for the Diamondbacks. Something <laughs> about out West. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, Aaron Blair, one of those where the comp he always caught was John Lackey. So I was instantly like against him right away because I, I do not like John Lackey. Like, let me just get this out in the open. If there's anybody that does, that does not know or is ever wondering, hey, Dylan, what type of pitcher do you like? Guys that strike out seven and a half per nine innings are not the pitchers that I like. So you hate John Lackey. 
So yeah, uh, not a John Lackey fan. Dude made the same, got the same contract as uh, B.J. Upton from the Red Sox and was horrendous. So anytime somebody tells me a pitcher is going to be John Lackey, I kind of instantly give them a little bit of a side eye because, like, if you tell me that your best quality is the ability to throw a lot of innings, that's not really good to me. Like. I should speak of like, hey, he's got a great changeup. Oh, and he'll give you a ton of innings. Not he'll give you a ton of innings, and his changeup's okay. I can't remember whether it was when we did the last episode of TPS or when I guessed it on Locked On with you, and you were talking about the way that you like to give comps, and you said that you want to give like the super, super yeah, optimistic the ceiling. Yeah, I want to give the ceiling comp. It's more fun. Yeah, if if somebody's dropping a John Lackey comp, it's it's very. very very middle of the road like that's it huh yeah like i've given i've given john lackey comps before i mean usually it's bigger bodied guys that don't strike out a lot of people that's essentially a john lackey comp it's not meant to be a compliment like it's you know it's not meant to say this guy's gonna be an ace if i give you a john lackey comp essentially you're a four or a five in my mind no disrespect no disrespect to anybody i've given a john lackey comp to by the way john lackey and and all of his all of his comparables these guys have roles. You know, teams need inning eaters. Team teams need fourth and fifth starters. But when I when you look back on a deal, it's it's like um locating a stock before anyone oh, yeah. else does. You wanted you wanted to be on him before anybody else. You wanted to say I knew it. I bricked. I bricked. I didn't just kind of oh, I, I bricked hard. like me and Jojo Reyes. Yeah. Oh yeah, you had a you had a thing for. Him. I did. I thought. But I thought. He but was, that's not your guy for this time. I, no, no, not my guy for this time. Um, my guy for this time is one hundred percent the most punchable person that has ever played Major League Baseball. That is Jordan Schaefer. <laughs> I don't know uh, how much you remember about the time when Jordan Schaefer was a prospect, but there was a year in the minor leagues where he actually led the minors in hits in triples. Uh, I believe he was like top five in OPS as well. He had like an 842 OPS. He was super fast, was a center fielder. This was right after Andrew left. As a matter of fact, full disclosure, I was going to hate Jordan Schaefer from the jump because he was the center fielder right after Andrew. Like he was When he was coming up, like this is the guy that's going to replace Andrew. And me in my head was like, you fools, no one replaces Andrew. Uh, I hate you already. And then I saw his his pointed little weasel face, and I was like, oh, nope, don't like that, dude. And then I saw him play, and I was like, yep, don't like that dude. Uh, this is the dude that was supposed to be like the perfect table setter. He was supposed to be a gap-to-gap machine, a guy that could steal 40, 50 bases a year. Essentially, he was supposed to be for call, but in center field. And instead, what we got was a dude that got popped for steroids. Uh, a dude was the first person that got busted by MLB's investigative department, as a matter of fact. Um, always looked like he was about to flip somebody off always looked like the douchiest person of all time quite honestly like i cannot equate how much how high my disdain like it's not even hate it's just pure disdain for jordan schaefer guy that ended up hitting what like 223 over the course of his career maybe even like 208 never hit more than four homers in a season was a horrible was a bad defender on top of it too like how he always tried to play Andrew Jones level shallow in center field, but he didn't have the instincts, so he couldn't field, and everything always went way over his head. That was the worst time I've ever remembered, like looking at a young kid 
and just being like, I hate you. Just every time I see him, I hate you. Like, if you guys think I hate Dansby, you have no idea what I was like when I saw Jordan Schaefer. By the time I started paying attention to Jordan Schaefer, because it, it was 13 or, you know, 10, 11, 12, I was, I was starting to pay a lot of attention again. 13 is when I got mega into it. And that, that was really around the time when the, the full bust started the show. I mean, you could still live off of some promise for a little bit. And he did have a lot of promise. He had a homer in his first major league at bat. Granted, it was off Jamie Moyer, I believe, but you know, people remember the Hayward opening, opening day home run partially because it happened on opening day and it happened in front of a packed house. And with Schaefer, you know, if he had wound up becoming anything special, you turn around, you look back at that moment and say, Oh, you know, we all knew right then everything was supposed to, was supposed to click for him. And, I try not to get too into judging books by their cover, but I'd never have been able to get past the fact that, as you said, Jordan Schaefer has got the most punchable face of anyone who has ever played baseball. And I used to watch Tim Tuffle play baseball, so, and I can never get past that. As far as being a player goes, eh, yeah, he was fine. He was fast. He was certainly fast, but he didn't have the instincts in center field to make up for that. He couldn't hit by the time he got to the major leagues, getting getting popped for PEDs. He got popped for PEDs and then literally never put up a good offseason afterwards. So that's one of those guys that you can for sure look at and be like, yeah, steroids made him. Yeah, sometimes it's the juice, sometimes it's not. Like, we, we've we debated the merits of Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was a, a freak of nature Listen, before he even started a, taking roids. Barry Bonds had 375 homers before 1998, before he ever stuck a needle back there. He had 417 steals. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer who had three MVPs before he ever juiced. That dude was That dude was the goat before he ever stuck a needle in his backside. Well, and then the fact that he hit 400 home runs right. after he did that, you know, uh, and posted like four consecutive 12 war seasons when he was on the he juice. Hit I mean, he hit 73 homers in early, a season and it wasn't his best season. Right, which is which is crazy. And, you know, so Schaefer um Schaefer was obviously not putting up Bonds-esque numbers, but he busted pretty hard. He was he had massive shoes to fill. And th- this comes back to what we were talking about. You don't have time to develop prospect hype if you go straight from from college into pros. Well, he did have that. And he was supposed to take Andrew Jones' job, and he didn't. No, they let Andrew walk over 8 million dollars. 8 million dollars. Think of that. Half of the money, like literally half the money they paid BJ Upton. For one season. So yes, Jordan Schaefer will <laughs> Jordan Schaefer will always be like my most hated baseball player ever. Not because of anything he did to my team, n- none of that. Just because like he literally has like everything that you could ever create to make me hate somebody. Jordan Schaefer has it. So like if you were playing the show and you had the option to like, do they have hateability as like a as like a player option that you can like slide all the way to? 100? No, but I can like hit him in the face. See, there you go. <laughs> I have done on the game before. Uh, just I cannot I cannot stand anything about him. And I know you're not supposed to judge people in the way they look. Well, unfortunately uh, for Jordan, I do, and it seemed to work out. I was right. Well, he looked like a mouse. It's hard to not notice. Yeah, weasel face, little whatever. Well, I think that's that will probably be a good time to wrap up the prospects who busted segment. I like this segment. We're gonna keep doing this. It's it's kind of sad, but also funny that there's 
we just talked about two of those, and there's probably 20 or 30 more guys that we're going to be able to mention on this. You guys, there's, there's another top five you guys can fill out just from home that you know dang good and well we're going to talk about, too. That's, that's like the sad but funny part of being an Atlanta Braves fan is for like, we won 14 straight division championships. But our prospects from like 2006 onward were just awful. Like, after for call, that was like it. We had McCann, and we, we did well. We had McCann, and we had Frank Coor, who was going to save us. And then just, and I'm sorry, Tommy, but Kelly Johnson does not count either. <laughs> I mean, and you would, you would have some peppered through there when, you know, Julio Tehran was number one in the game for a little bit, and uh, Jason Hayward was obviously a huge deal. Uh, but, but yeah. What we've seen in the past five years, like all of the losing to, <laughs> to finally re-inject some talent in the pipeline is, and know whew, that... It is a much different minor league system now. It absolutely is. And, uh, and I, God, man, I, looking back, I remember the day that the Justin Upton deal went down. And it, and I had heard of Randall Delgado, but I'd never heard of Brandon Drury. I'd never heard of Nick Ahmed. You know, I never... I, if I'd been paying attention, I, I might have been whelmed in one direction or the, or, or the other, but I was neither over nor underwhelmed by that deal because I wasn't paying attention to prospects because exactly what you're talking about. You just... You have a system that has a, had a long history of blips, but not, like, consistent slam dunk after another. I mean, yeah, sure, like, Chipper and Andrew and all, you know, but that was, like, a different era. You know what I mean? So I missed all of that. So I'm really glad that over the past couple of years... Not hard to see why the won. 14 straight division titles came to an end when you see the lineups that they were rolling out in 2013 and 2014. Or was it 2015, the Eric Ibar and Alberto Cayaspo opening day lineups? Uh, Yes, and I think Cam Mabin. Cam Mabin was around. I loved Cam Mabin. Woo-hoo. Yeah, you're right. You're but right. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty dark, <laughs> dark days. Very dark, dark days, days in the prospect system back when the Braves were. That's probably the worst thing Frank Wren ever did was how he handled prospects. Um, did some other good things. His international signings, fantastic. His domestic, horrific. Uh, but we'll we'll definitely get into those for you. for those of you at home. I'm going to give you guys some homework. You're stuck at home anyway. Make a top ten list of the biggest busts, the guys that you thought were going to be good that ended up being horrible. Make a top 10 and see how many of our guys end up being on your list and then let us know. It should be a fun little thing to do. We're going to keep doing this week in and week out. Um, but as Doc alluded to, that is a good stopping point now that we've officially made fun of two people that were far more successful than either he or I have ever been. <laughs> um, but I don't have a weasel face, so suck it, Jordan Schaefer. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Missed you guys last week. Uh, we'll be back again next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you.